Hey, this is Lane Yerrick, one of the servant leaders here at Ethos. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you can lean in and enjoy this week's message. Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to Ethos. If you're a little bit newer to our community here, uh, we especially want to say welcome to you. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to hang out with us. In fact, let us know that you're with us as well. Text the word Ethos New to the number 94000, 94,000, and simply by letting us know. We're going to donate $5 on your behalf to a local organization called She Has a Name, fighting human trafficking right here in Central Ohio. So simply by acknowledging that you're with us today for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, we want to make a difference on your behalf. Also, this is a brand new year, 2021. We made it. You made it. Congratulations. You ought to pat yourself on the back right now. If you're in a community group, go ahead and pat the person sitting next to you on the back and say, good job. Well done. You made it to 2021, all the way through this crazy year of 2020, a year in which none of us will ever forget, a year in which the history books were right about forever. But as we kick off this new year, we wanted to kick it off the way that we kick off every year with 21 days of prayer. I really believe that this is the most important thing that we do as a community is to start our year in prayer. And so we've created some resources on our website. If you go to ethosoh.com forward slash 21 days. You can find all of our pre, all of our prayer resources there, some guided prayer points for adults as well as for kids, parents uh, or grandparents. Um, engage with your children in these 21 days as well by simply going to our website. You'll see all of the kids' resources there. You'll also see a digital copy of our 21 prayer, 21 day prayer devotional too. Now, if you want a physical copy, those are available to you as well. You can actually swing by the Ethos House. The address is on the screen here. And inside the blessing box, it's the white box out front where we house some of the grocery donations that you all and other members of our community give towards so that we can continue to bless people in our community who are, who are less fortunate with, with some groceries. Inside that blessing box is a container that, um, that houses some of our physical copies of the 21-day prayer Devo. So if you're like me, you want a physical copy, we've uh, done our best to make those available to you as well. But, but here's the deal. I'm really asking you to lean in during these 21 days. Follow us on social media. Every day we're going to be posting a reminder about our prayer prompts as well as our 21-day devotional. And I just believe that this is the best way for you individually, for you as a parent, as a spouse, as a single adult, for us as a community here at Ethos. This is the best way for us to start 2021. We're actually kicking off a brand new series today called Your Best Year Yet, which is undoubtedly a bit hyperbolic, but nevertheless, I actually believe that this can be your best year yet. That maybe at the end of 2021, you may not look back and be like, this is my best financial year yet. It was my best health year yet. But I absolutely believe it can be the best year in the sense that your relationship with God can go to a whole other level. You can actually know Him in a way that you've never known him before. And let me, let me explain it like this. I want to share today from a message entitled, Life as an Echo. Now, if you're taking notes, you want a more simple title, and maybe that's like a gross assumption of pastors all across the world today to actually think that people are taking notes on the other side of the screen anymore. However, if you are and you want a more simple title, you can simply entitle this meditation. I want to talk today Uh, and really over the next few weeks, about how we can position ourselves to not just know God, but to actually experience 
and walk tangibly and physically with God. Now, again, if you're newer to Ethos, and that sounds like so strange to you, just, just hang on for a moment. We really are a community of people that believe that God is so for us. He's for you. No matter what you did or didn't do yesterday, what you plan on doing or not doing tomorrow, that He actually wants us to follow Him and to hear from Him and to, and to relate and to connect with Him so that we can experience life to the full. Let, let, let's pray before we jump in any further today. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for these moments that we have to gather together. And I would ask once again, Father, that you would make up the distance from what I've prepared to say and what you want to speak into the hearts and the minds of everybody who's watching or listening right now. God, I pray that we would not just be hearers. We wouldn't just hear what it is that you're saying through your word over the course of the next few weeks in this, in this new series, but that we would actually do it, that we'd apply it. Holy Spirit, we invite you to empower us, to give us the grace needed, the, really the tools needed to lean into your best for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple years ago, I went fly fishing for the very first time. And after having done so, now like I really enjoy it. I'm not much of a fisherman. I never really fished much growing up. However, I love the outdoors even more so. Anything that involves like any body of water, a creek, a lake, a river, a stream, whatever it may be, I'm in. Like I want to be a part of it. And so when I got the invitation to go fly fishing, I was like, I've never done it. But they assured me that they're going to kind of guide me through and teach me what this looks like and kind of, and kind of just help me understand how to fly fish. And so we show up and we get the gear and I've got like the whole suit on, right? And, and our guide begins to give us some instruction. Now, I was with a bunch of friends and one of my best friends was beside me and we're kind of talking to each other, not fully paying attention to what our guide was saying. Now we get out into the boat, and it's just two of us plus our guide, and I start, to, I start to kind of throw my rod out. And I'm not even sure the technical terms of it, right? Like, I don't think you cast a fly rod. Some of you who know right now, you're like, Jordan, you're such an idiot, but just hang with me, okay? But I'm starting to like cast my rod out, if that's what you do. And it's all getting just tangled up. And it's like a disaster. And clearly, I have no idea what to do. And after a few, a few minutes of this, my guide, very patiently, he says, Hey, uh, Jordan, were you listening to anything that I said when I was giving you some instruction a few moments ago? To which I, like, shamefully was like, no, I was not. I was not listening to anything that you said. And he's like, I was giving you some of the foundations so that you could actually catch some fish. And he actually went on to say, he said, listen, if you don't understand the fundamentals of fly fishing, you're never going to experience the joy of fly fishing. Which I thought, that's so true. Like the joy of fishing is actually catching the fish. And I can't even get my fly into the water. I think it's the same way in our relationship with God. Like we, we, have, we have kind of dismissed some of the foundational truths or even some of the foundational practices as it relates to growing in our relationship with God, we've dismissed them as antiquated, outdated, no longer needed. Come on, we're in the 21st century now. Like there's a, I know best, I understand how, like I get this thing. And we live such a hurried life in one sense as well that we have just dismissed and forgotten how to actually relate, not, not just with God, but really in a lot of senses with just like people as well, but most certainly with God. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, look, I, I've come that you could have life. In fact, not just life, I've come that you could have life to the full. 
Can I be honest with you? Like, most of my experience since I've been following Jesus has not been experiencing life to the full. It's not been experiencing the, the fulfillment of that promise that Jesus declared in John 10.10. 10. But, but that's not a reflection of what God wants from me. It's a reflection of how I positioned myself with Him. See, in our culture today, it's been said that there are three things that keep us from experiencing the full life that Jesus promised. Noise, hurry, and crowds. Carl Jung, famous psychologist, he, he said, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. Like, think about that for just a moment. We, we have dismissed the full life that God wants simply because we are living our life at such a pace that doesn't allow for us to experience the fullness of what God, what Jesus promised. Richard Foster, who has written what I think is one of the most influential books, certainly of our generation, certainly in the last 50 years. It's called Celebration of Discipline. It's one of the few books that I will read over and over and over again. And in the first chapter, he, he writes that the doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. He goes on to describe deep people as people who really know God. I, one of my favorite authors, his name is Eugene Peterson. He passed away in 2018, but I've read most of Eugene Peterson's books. I, I've tried to listen to most of what is on the internet from his teachings today. And in fact, I know a lot about Eugene Peterson. Like I know how long he was married. I know how many kids, he, I know how many grandkids he has. I know where he, where he grew up. I knew, I know where he passed away. Like I, I'm, I'm like a weird, creepy Eugene Peterson stalker, right? But like, but I've never met Eugene Peterson. So you can say I know a lot about him, but, but I would have to fall short. I have to stop at saying that I actually know him. And I think a lot of us know people who know God. We may even personally know a lot about God. But I wonder how many of us would have to stop and say, yeah, but I don't know if I really know God. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. That verse in many ways is a scripture that I'm using as a pillar, so to speak, for what we're going to dive into over the course of this entire series. Like this is the goal of the next few weeks of this new collection that we're in. It's to really actually position ourselves to, to know God, but not just to position ourselves, but to actually put to practice what it looks like to follow Jesus, to know Him, to hear of Him, to actually experience the full life that, that He came to promise. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, there's a priest by the name of Eli who, he, Eli knew God. Like, he knew how to hear from God. He certainly followed God. He, he was somebody that you could say undoubtedly, unquestionably, Eli knows God. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, this priest begins to teach a future priest, a future prophet whose name is Samuel, about God and about how to know God as well, which is indicative and important and imperative for us to understand that you can be taught how to know God and how to follow God and how to hear from God and how to, how to have a relationship with God. In Matthew 14, verse 13, it says that when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place, to a place 
by himself. And Jesus didn't just withdraw. In fact, he does this over and over and over again, all the way throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, the newer portion of our Bibles. He doesn't just do it just to get away from people because he's an introvert. No, he does it because he wants to spend time with God. I love what the psalmist says in chapter 119, verse 48 of Psalms. He says, I reach out for your commands, which I love, so that I may meditate on your words. I want to meditate on your words. It's more than just reading the Bible, the psalmist tells us, but it's actually about meditating on God's Word, the Scriptures, the Bible. I have read through my Bible pretty much every year since I first started following Jesus. I just do this one-year Bible reading plan pretty much every year, but it wasn't until several years ago that I that I began to not just read the Bible, but I began to meditate on the words within the Bible, within the scripture, in the text, that I actually started to experience what I would say is a growing relationship with God. Now that term meditation instantly kind of brings all sorts of different preconceived thoughts and misconceptions to our minds. Like we immediately begin to think of Eastern meditation, like like we're going to be Confucius and we're going to sit like crisscross applesauce with like our elbows at maybe like a 90 degree angle, our fingers like something like yay, I don't know. And, and we're going to close our eyes and recite some old hymns of sorts. But no, no, you got to scratch the way in which you've thought about meditation. Because we don't talk about meditation today anymore. Because again, it's been kind of thought of as outdated, antiquated, when nothing could be further from the truth. See, when I say meditation, don't think of Eastern meditation, which is an attempt to empty your mind, when in reality, Christian meditation is actually an attempt to fill your mind. Eastern meditation stresses the need to become detached from the world, while Christian meditation stresses the fact that we can attach ourselves in relationship to God. There's a misconception that meditation is just too hard, too difficult, complicated. It's just for like the overly spiritual, like I'm going to leave that up to the pastors, to like the priests, to like the men and the women of God. But no, no, nothing could be further from the truth because you don't need any special callings. You don't need some, you know, special degrees behind your name, some certain letters to describe that you're worthy of meditating. No, no, you, this, is, this is for like the everyday, ordinary, I, I'm just, I believe in Jesus. And I believe that he wants to speak to me as I speak to him. There's also a misconception that meditation or maybe even just becoming like too spiritual is going to create this notion that you'll become out of touch with the world, that you'll become so, you know, overly spiritual that you know earthly good. But I love what William Penn said. He said, true godliness does not turn men out of the world, but enables them to live better in it and excites their endeavors to mend it, to make a difference within it, which is a part of our vision here at Ethos, to really make a difference. So I want to describe meditation as it relates to reading the Bible like this. Very simple. It's the ability to hear God's voice and to obey His words. Hear His voice and obey His words. I kind of wish that I could make it more complicated because I know there's some of you who just like things within the Scriptures to feel complicated, because it makes maybe, I don't know, it feeds our pride, feeds our ego to think that we understand something complicated, but God didn't make it complicated. The, the authority that Jesus had had nothing to do with Jesus being God. 
I want us to wrap our minds around this for just a moment. The authority that Jesus had actually came from Jesus listening to his Father, God, and obeying his Father's commands, his words, his voice. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, speaking of Jesus, Paul writes that Jesus, being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus said, okay, look, I know I'm God. I'm stepping out of heaven. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what we just discussed. He comes in the form of a baby, in the form of a seed. And, and, and here he is, but he's just, he's, he's a human. Now he's the God-man. He's still the son of God, but he stripped himself and refused to use the authority that he had as God. And rather he modeled for us what it looks like to actually have authority as followers of him, as followers of of Jesus. Think about it like this. If you go into your office or at your place of employment and you tell somebody to do something, but you don't have the authority to do it, however, your boss or your employer told you to tell them to do it, what do you do? You go in your boss's name and you tell that employee to do it. Hey, Joe, Mike told me to tell you to get this job done. If I just told you to get this job done, you wouldn't do it. But because the boss said to get the job done, he's got authority, and now you have to do it. Jesus' authority came from listening to the boss, so to speak, and doing what the, let's play this metaphor all the way out, doing what the boss wanted him to do. See, the reason today why I believe that the church, the capital C church, lacks authority isn't because we're not creative enough. In fact, I think we could make a very compelling argument that the church in 2021 has never been more creative than what it is right now. But I think the reason why we lack authority is because we aren't listening and obeying. And I don't know if I can stress this point enough, and I wish they had a more creative way to say it, but I do know that in John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus explained it like this. He said, look, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by Himself He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Remember when you were a kid and the first time that you heard your echo? We used to go camping at Racetown Lake. It's in central PA. And it's this beautiful lake. And I loved it. I can remember the one spot on this lake where we wouldn't even necessarily have to be speaking very loud, but our, our voice would echo through the lake, through the mountains, through the hillside, just over and over and over again. I thought it was the coolest thing. That word echo literally means a redistribution of the original sound. So when you echo, it's just a redistribution of your voice over and over and over again. See, I think a lot of times we don't experience the difference or maybe even the fullness of the life that God wants us to live because we aren't redistributing the voice of God. We're redistributing somebody else's voice, somebody else's idea. We're mimicking somebody else's lifestyle, but we're not listening and obeying what God wants for us to do. In fact, in fact, one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of churches just do what they see other churches do. They just mimic what somebody else has already done, expecting the same results. And when they don't get it, they're frustrated, unsure as to why. But the reality is because the authority 
that God gave that church was a result of that church listening and obeying. And then we try to do the same thing or somebody else tries to do the same thing, but we don't have the same authority that they had because the authority comes from God. The same thing happens in your life. You do what somebody else does. You go to the same school that somebody else goes to. You, you marry somebody similar to what somebody else married. You take a job because somebody else took the job. But you don't experience the same benefits or the fullness of life because all you're doing is redistributing somebody else's voice but not redistributing God's voice. See, I think when we redistribute our own voice or rather even somebody else's voice, maybe there's a small effect and maybe even a small ripple. Maybe we experience some benefits in our lives but not the fullness of what God intends. But see, God wants the echo of our life to be a redistribution of His voice, not of ours and not of somebody else's. And when we redistribute God's voice, the impact far exceeds that of redistributing our own, or for that matter, somebody else's. So here's the idea. We have got to be redistributors, echoes, so to speak, of the voice of God. When we redistribute what someone else said or what we saw someone else do, it lessens the impact of God's voice in our life. See, we, we live in a universe created by an infinite yet infinitely personal God who massively delights in our relationship with Him. And meditation is the communication between God and you. I want to say it like this, that meditation is the communication between the lover, God, and the one who is infinitely and personally loved by God, you. The, the discipline of meditation was very familiar to the authors of the scriptures. In fact, over 58 times do we see this term come up, both in the Old and in the New Testament. Every time we do so, it meant that somebody was listening to God's word or reflecting on God's works or rehearsing God's deeds or contemplating God's laws. In other words, that there is this intentional, hey, I'm not just going to read this. I want to kind of just rest with it. See, meditating on Scripture really centers on internalizing and personalizing the passage or the Scripture that we're, that we're reading. See, God's written word, as we meditate on it, actually becomes alive to us. It becomes personal to us. It becomes a personal word that's addressed to you. Let me explain it like this. See, in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, okay, listen, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. So if we were reading that scripture, how would we meditate on it? How would we not just read it, but actually how would we, how would we meditate on it? Well, see, we don't, we don't study the passage. That's not what meditation is. We don't dissect the passage. We don't dissect peace. We, we just kind of enter into it. We just begin to kind of receive God's peace. So when we meditate on a scripture like John 14, 27, again, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. We don't have to ask the questions, okay, why did Jesus say this? What's the context? Where was he saying this? Who was he speaking to? No, meditation is where we put ourselves into the text, into the scripture. We say, okay, God, you're speaking to me. You're giving me peace. And right now I don't feel so peaceful. 
So before I just read this and kind of just move on to the verse 28, I'm going to receive your peace right now. I'm going to meditate on it, chew on it, just ponder it over and over. God, I'm asking for your peace right now. I invite your peace into my life. Because meditation takes you from kind of just a passive observer to an active participant. See, through meditation, God's going to give you guidance for anything that you need, for any personal direction in your life. And God's going to speak personally to you. Have you ever, you ever been reading a scripture with somebody? Maybe you've been, maybe you with coffee, over coffee, you're kind of reading your Bibles together, you come to a church service, and you hear the same message together, you both listen to the same podcast, and, and, and your friend says, man, you know, when, when she or he said this, I really felt like God spoke to me. And the person that you're talking to is like, I never heard that at all. But what I heard was, and they tell you something entirely different. See, what that is, is God speaking directly to you in a way in which you personally need and then God speaks directly to somebody else through the exact same scripture, but in a way that is completely different and very personal and practical to them. So I want to give you, I want to give you five quick things as we kind of practically close this out on what we're calling preparation for meditation. How do I prepare to meditate? And preparation for meditation, it, it rhymed, and so it made me feel more spiritual. And so we're going to just use that as our headline, okay? The first thing is, first thing you got to do, is you're going to have a Bible reading plan. Get intentional and have a Bible reading plan. In fact, even, even more practical than that, engage beginning tomorrow in our 21-day prayer devotional that's going to actually teach you and help you with the practice of meditating on the Scriptures. Uh, one, of my, one of my greatest suggestions I can give to you is to be intentional in 2021 to read your Bible. In fact, if you don't currently have a Bible reading plan, I want to suggest to you that you download the YouVersion Bible app and search for the New Testament in one year. The Bible Project, which is a nonprofit in the Pacific Northwest, created a really, really great one year, all the way, you'll read all the way through the New Testament. And, and, and they're going to actually help explain some of the scriptures that you're going to be reading as well. It's fantastic. And the, the, the good part too, it's only going to take you about five to 10 minutes a day to read it. So like, you can do it. Like this is, this, is a, this is a kind of low maintenance, practical way to intentionally begin to engage in the scriptures so that you can learn how to practice meditation so that God can begin to speak to you in really practical ways. The second thing is set aside a certain time in a certain place every single day in order to read your scriptures and to meditate. So you've got your plan. You're gonna read through the New Testament in one year. December 31st, 2021 shows up on your calendar and you've read through the New Testament, but I want to ask that you would be intentional to do so. You schedule things on your calendar all the time. You schedule when you need to be in at work or connected online to work. You schedule when you're going to meet a friend for lunch or for brunch or for dinner. You schedule date nights. You schedule when you need to be at school, when you need to be at that class or this class or whatever it may be that you need to attend. I want to ask that you get intentional about scheduling your time with God. Don't allow hurry to dictate the pace of your life and your relationship with God. And then furthermore, set a place. Like make it so that there's a, a common place every single day. This is the place where I meet up with God through the scriptures 
as I meditate on his word. There's this pastor in New York City that I love deeply. His name's John Tyson. He, he says there's no formation without repetition. In other words, we've got to allow God to form us through this repeated process of over and over and over again. The third thing is posture and position yourself in a way that's comfortable. I'm just getting real practical here because I think sometimes we assume that we need to be like in this very specific posture, this very specific position all the time in order to read our Bibles or to pray or, no, no, just do what's comfortable for you. Sit in a posture that's comfortable for you so it's not distracting as you read, as you meditate. The fourth thing is be open to the gentle correction that God will give you as you begin to read the scriptures. God's going to correct you on some things. In 2020, I feel like God corrected me on a lot of stuff this past year, but you got to be open to it. In some ways, you got to kind of even desire it. Tim Keller says the mark of a godly man is that he likes to change. He says, Lord, show me where I should change and I'll do it. Show me where I should obey, even when it's hard, and I'll do it. And the fifth and the last one is personalize the scripture. Make it, like we talked about a few moments ago, about how we kind of personalize that Jesus is speaking peace into our lives. Make everything that you read personal to you. God's word was written with you in mind. With the everyday challenges and frustrations and temptations and trials that you face, it was written with those things, with your specific life and the nuances and the details of your everyday single life. It was written with you in mind. So as you read it, understand that it was written to you. It's a personal letter to you. So when I meditate, I don't just read the scripture and then say, oh yeah, that was written for those people 2,000 years ago. No, I say, okay, God, what are you saying to me right now? Lord, what are you speaking to me today? Listen, don't be discouraged if in the beginning of you reading the Bible and actually meditating, not just reading it, but like meditating, allowing God to speak to you. Don't be discouraged if your meditations have like very little meaning to you. There is a progression to the spiritual life that God has you on. Uh, it's just like working out. I see so many people who start working out, but they stop just before they're about to begin to see the results that they started working out to see to begin with. Don't stop. Again, John Tyson's quote, there's no formation without repetition. To be honest with you, most of the time when I read the Bible, which I do, I, I generally wake up early in the morning before anybody else in my home is awake. It's the least distracting time for me. And personally, I feel like it's the time in which I'm at my best. It's the time in which I feel like I can give my best to God. And I want to give the best part of my day to the one who deserves it the most. And I want to be able to give my distraction-free, or at least the, the most distraction-free mind that I could possibly have. I'm a fairly easily distracted person, so that's not a uh, small task. But Nevertheless, I want to give my best to Him. And so when I, when I do it, I, I wake up and I, and I read wherever I'm at in my Bible reading plan. And I, and I try to make it personal. I meditate on it. I chew on it. And if there's one scripture that just seems to be kind of like screaming at me, I just kind of sit on that scripture. I don't get too hung up on trying to just get to the next passage. God, what are you saying to me right now? But a lot of times, if I'm honest, I feel like, I don't know, there's like this spiritual apathy when I read the Bible. Like, there's a coldness or a lack of desire to meditate. And that's going to happen. 
In fact, I'm going to go ahead and be honest and just say that happens to me more than it doesn't happen to me. I'll read my Bible just to kind of check it off of my list, but I won't really meditate on it. And we as human beings just kind of have this perpetual tendency to just want somebody else to talk to God on our behalf. But God wants to talk with you. Remind yourself of that truth, that he wants to connect and be in relationship with you, that he wants to give you and help you to experience the full life that Jesus came and promised that we could experience. He wants us to be a redistribution of his voice into our world. He wants to teach us how to do that as well. And it may not look like the way in which you've been taught in the past, that God wants to give you a heart of love, of grace, of truth, of humility, of mercy, so that we can be echoes of his voice into our world, into our jobs, into our schools, on our campuses, in our homes. So be patient with yourself because as you begin to practice this new discipline of meditation, remember, it's a new discipline to you. You may have never received training for this before. And certainly our culture does not encourage us to participate in reading the Bible and meditating on the scriptures. And so you're going to be going against the grain. You're going to be going against the tide, but you're also going in the exact direction that God wants you to go. And you're going to be growing with him. So the next few weeks, we're going to talk even more practically about what it looks like to actually put into practice both meditation, prayer, worship, celebration, silence, solitude. Some of, again, what we've kind of considered to be these antiquated ways in which we can grow in our relationship with God, they're not antiquated. They're still for us today. And I believe that God is calling us as a church here at Ethos to grow in a depth of relationship with Him, not just know about Him, but to actually know 